us. And for those out you out there listening tonight, we've had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties uh, with our uh, devices. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think we might blame it on. on could be the internet. Could be. I mean, we couldn't quite nail it down, but we're 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 going now, so we're good. Yes. Yes. So go to Facebook, Spotify, or YouTube, TikTok, The Other People Show. You're going to be able to get all kinds of updates about the show, things going on in the future, and uh, keeping up to date with the times. Now, I know Casey has a show that you do on Mondays and Wednesdays. Monday and Wednesdays, yeah. Uh, Lunch Break Live. It's yeah. right around. Honestly, I was doing it new. I tried 12.30 this past week because I was kind of trying. I'm trying to kind of, kind of gauge. Uh, where, where the best time is. Yep. Uh, in comparison, 12 o'clock seems to be better, but sometimes I wonder if maybe 1 o'clock might even work a little better. Right, right. So, you know, it's trial and error right now. So, yeah, like 12, 12.30-ish. So that's going to be something that uh, that people should uh, definitely check yeah, it's out. Definitely worth, it, it's definitely worth checking out. You know, if, if you're having kind of a rough day, it's worth checking out. If you're yeah. having a great day, if, you know, you need a little insight into something maybe or just random stuff that may lend itself to some perspective in your life. Definitely. Uh, or it could give a little bit of a motivation. Sure. Motivation. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, please, please do check that out. And I'm thinking that um, you've got your channel, too. You want to you promote yeah, your uh, YouTube yeah, channel? Yeah, sure. You can go to YouTube. Uh, it's at Casey Masick. It's my name. So, uh, yeah. So, most of those live feeds uh, that I've done on Facebook here in the last two, three weeks, maybe, they're all up there. Uh, there will be other stuff up there that I can't. Uh, necessarily put on on Facebook, you know, live stream on Facebook. So there'll be other content there that is not available on Facebook. Right, right. So, uh, so yeah, <clears throat> please check out those places. And uh, we have a lot of fun stuff in store tonight. Yeah, absolutely. As we said, well, and also all shows, past, present, and future, will be online and streaming. So you can check those out. Yeah, and all on, the time. on various platforms. Like yeah. I said, between YouTube and Spotify, those two alone yep. uh, pretty much pretty much will cover everything. So that covers these radio shows from this point forward, plus like you said, all the past stuff. So real yeah. talk of past episodes. Uh, and they're all great episodes too. So yep. all of it's worth checking out for sure. Yes, so please do do that. So tonight, Pulp Fiction. Uh, I would have to say probably one of my top ten movies of all time. Yeah, easily. Easy. You know, I wasn't sure where I was going to place it in that kind of top ten range. Um, but, yeah, once I watched it again, I was like, yeah. I mean, of course. Of course it's a great movie. Yeah. Because yeah. some of the scenes are just, I mean, the whole movie just seems iconic when you go back and watch it. In retrospect, knowing the success that it had. Um, and it's like each, like you said, each individual scene is almost a pop cultural phenomenon, phenomenon like a scene. Oh yeah, it's it's in uh, you know the bobbleheads. It can be in like photographs now. Could have been anything on yeah. mugs, shirts. Even to this day, I memes. still see people. Yeah, memes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Vincent Vega's characters and all kinds of memes and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, but I know like one of the scenes, and it just seems like such a random scene, but stands out to me. It's really, really on the movie. And it's when they're, it's the beginning when they're in the apartment to find the briefcase. And uh, Jules is uh, eating the burger and he takes that drink and it's like that close up on Sam Jackson's face. And he yeah. just sucks the whole thing just Until you hear dry. Like, yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's just like, it seems like nothing, but I don't, I don't know. It just seems like such a great scene when you, when you watch it back. Yeah, it really does. So we'll say uh, the lives of two mob hitmen. A boxer, a gangster, and his wife, and two dinner bandits intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. Yeah. That's pretty much the synopsis in that a nutshell. Is definitely the synopsis, and it's tied together brilliantly, really. Agreed. Agreed. So we have Quentin Tarantino written and directed by, and actually co-written. He always gets the, the 100% credit, but um, his co-writer and also director, Roger Avery, yeah, was the co-writer, and Roger Avery. For those that don't know, was also made uh, Killing Zoe or Killing yeah. Zoe. Yeah, as we covered I before. I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot that Roger. And we, we talked about it then because that's that's what we've been discussing doing this. Show yeah, for, for quite a while, a while. since yeah, the begin almost the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we saved it for the radio show. Me too. Uh, Quentin Tarantino 
produced Killing Zoe or Killing yeah. Zoe. Yeah. And so that's kind of the and also another movie that Roger Avery did is the very underrated Rules of Attraction. Yeah, which we are going to do. Yeah, we we have to because I want to open up people. A lot of people I know have heard of Pulp Fiction. They've heard of Quentin Tarantino. Some of these movies like Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but they haven't heard of the Brett Easton Ellis novel, The Rules of Attraction, yeah. which is what the, the movie is based upon, and it's an excellent movie. Fantastic movie. I'm like, I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't watched it since we've discussed it so many times. Yeah. When was the last time you think you watched that one? My goodness, at least a decade ago. Really? Okay. At least. A lot of these movies that we've been doing, it's probably, like if I'm being honest about it, it's probably been a good decade on a lot of right. them. Right. But it's great to revisit them. And I do think a lot of these movies that, we, that we've that we chose, if you go back and look in the vault that, we're, uh, you know, that we went to, We've we've chosen movies that I think that do stand the test of time. Yeah, from one of the greatest film decades um, in history. Yeah, which is the nineties. The nineties. Yeah, I mean it's great. The nineties are great. So uh, we have, as we said, directed directed by Quentin Tarantino. He won a um, an Oscar for best writing, best screenplay for this movie. He is also the director of Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and then the westerns that it, those westerns. Um, so what was it like? Uh, did he do Django and Chain? Was that Django? Yeah. And then the the Hateful Eight. Oh, Hateful Eight! I forgot about it. And Quentin Tarantino only has one movie left. That. Now, let me ask you about this because you you're uh, you're kind of in the process of becoming a director because you're. You're writing and, and putting together a docu- documentary. Yeah, correct, correct. So you're about to step into the seat of you know documentarian. Yeah. So you're in Quentin Tarantino's position, and he says in his mind that a lot of the great uh, directors fade out over time and just end up making quote unquote garbage films, and they're not as quality as they were. Right. So he's going to make ten quality films, then step away. Yeah. Now, what what would you think? Because you're coming into it, and you 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 know yeah. a lot about movies and directors and such. Do you agree with him, or do you think you should continue to make movies until you no longer can make them anymore? I mean, I suppose in context, it probably depends, and maybe on the type of movies you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you're making like again like documentaries, I mean, as long as there's a topic to talk about, like you can make a good documentary, right? You know what I mean, yep. Now you'll probably. Will the formula kind of repeat itself? I mean, maybe, but in a documentary setting, I feel like it's not so much the formula of how it's delivered. I mean, you find a good formula that works, you go with it. Uh, that's carried by the topic. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Now, as far as Hollywood-style movies and stuff, I mean, yeah, kind of, because I can see where it's like that. And even with... Um, you know, like these franchise movies. Yeah. You know, like, are like really how good are all of them? Mm-hmm. You know, are some of them trash? I don't know because honestly, I haven't seen that many of like the Marvel movies and so I've seen a handful of them. Me, me too. And I me started too. getting mixed up and I'm like, well, I feel like I should go back and watch these from the beginning. Well, but I also we feel with those, and, and this will probably step on people's toes and, you know, this is a, you know, a movie critic show pretty much, but. Um, the Marvel films is a lot with you know uh, you know a lot of romantic comedies or a lot of comedies. They follow a formula, right? And you know for the most part that nothing really is at risk for Spider Man, no, or Batman, no, not really, not really. You know That's what I mean? Correct. Yeah. Because if they, yeah, they did cut kill off you know Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, but they've made these alter alternate universes. So they can always come back. Come, right, exactly. So no exactly. one is ever really dead. Nothing is ever really up right. for stakes. Right, right, um, right, right. But Pulp Fiction, on the other hand, I was I was watching an interview with uh, Charlie Rose and, and Quentin Tarantino when Quentin oh. Tarantino first went on and spoke of this movie. Yeah, I bet that was interesting. It, it, it was. They were talking about how violent this movie is. But if you look at the movie... Most of the violence is not on screen. Correct. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's really, it's, it's again, it's one of those movies of implied yep. violence. I mean, what's like, the most violent scene in the movie? Where Marvin gets his head blown off accidentally? Yeah. I mean, which is one of the, in my opinion, one of the most comedic parts Yeah, of the movie. yeah. I mean. And unexpected the first time. 
I remember watching that. Yeah. Did he just get his head? Because he was like, what do you think about that, Marvin? And then it's boom. His head splatters all over the back of the windshield. Yeah. What? Wait, right. And I actually had to rewind because it was VHS copy. Oh, jeez. So I rewound uh, the VHS and watched that scene a couple times. Feel slightly dated, <laughs> yeah. But this is the vault, so most of the listeners probably are familiar with VHS. Yes, I yes. feel like if I went into my kitchen right now and I started talking about VHS tapes to some of these, you get these dads, blank stares. Yeah, like no, maybe I wouldn't, but it seems like I would possibly. Like, well, because you wonder, like I wonder if you're like 17 right now, like how long have VCRs been out of Walmart? I can't imagine. If you're 17 right now, you've yeah. probably ever seen a VCR in a Walmart in your life. I bet not. Maybe on a shelf, but it's got a DVD player sitting on top yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or it, it could be one it. of those like the. I, occasionally, I would still see like the television with the VHS and the DVD, like uh, yeah. the one unit. Right, right, right. Uh, my the other. I, I worked at a radio station in DC, and it was a it was a very um, high technological station. But in one of the producers' booths was like a little television, and it had, you know, it was like maybe a nine-inch TV, and it had a VHS and DVD. Wow. Yeah. And, and I can't, this is the truth. Occasionally, if there, were, if, if there was like a, this was before like streaming was what it is now. Right. Um, if there was like a movie that I wanted to watch and I couldn't find it on DVD or Blu-ray, right. I would find it on VHS and then watch it on that little nine-inch TV oh, screen. Wow. I used old VCRs for a while because I had an older TV, and when I got the DVD player, I didn't have the it was compatible. Yeah, yeah, but I could hook it into the VCR, run the VCR to the TV, and right? I was good to go. Cool. So lesson for people with, oh, if you happen to scoop up some old TV and you want to hook your, your game <laughs> system up to it, that's true. Right All the, the gaming VCR. systems wouldn't hook up well, to maybe like not though, honestly, because like Xbox and that stuff's pretty much all like HDMI, right? Right. Now, but like your old PlayStation Two, you can hook it up to the old TV. That's true. So let's dive right in. Uh, we've got some facts here. We've got the budget eight million dollars. Wow. The budget of Pulp Fiction. Would you think it was more or less? I would have thought more. Now five million went to the cast. I would imagine because I was going to say the cast alone is like. Who, who would you think got paid the most out of out of this movie? Man, I, you know, my gut wants to say John Travolta, but I don't think it's John Travolta. It's Bruce Willis. I, that was going to be my next guess. Was Bruce Willis? And Bruce Willis originally talked to Quentin Tarantino about playing Vincent Vega. That's who Bruce Willis wanted to play. I would imagine he's a cool character, man. And then Quentin Tarantino had said, well, you know, I, I have, you know, John Travolta in mind for this. How about you read for this? Yeah. Which was Butch. Butch, yeah. And then he ended up reading reading for Butch. And then, you know, as history goes, we know. Yeah, right. But Bruce Willis was the main reason this film even got made. Really? The studio did not want John Travolta. At, like, at all? No. Wow. John Travolta at the time was on a losing streak. He had done like three Look Who's Talking movies. Oh, right. And all his movies were box office losers. Ah, uh, so this is like Travolta's rebirth. Yep. So, yeah, they say that rebirth. this was his, um, you know, his, yeah, rebirth. Kind of, yeah. And his comeback. His comeback, big comeback. comeback is a better, better term for it. And what was interesting, uh, Bruce Willis, you know, pretty much was the reason this got made, but yet John Travolta... Got the Academy Award. Yeah, well, he carried, his character carries a good part of it. Yes. Well, yeah, that's unfair to say because, I mean, the way it's cast is ridiculous, but like his character is a cool it's, cast. It's a perfect cast. I mean, it's a perfect cast. It's really, The chemistry is all there. Even it's, down to like Eric Stoltz. Yeah. You know, we'll bring, bring it back around to him. Uh, even back to his wife. Um, you know, I think her name is what, Trish or something like that. Oh, yes. It's yes, uh, yes, yes. Rosanna Arquette's the actress. Um, Trish, I think you're correct. And then the other one's Trudy, the one uh, that's always sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah, the dark headed girl. Yeah, I didn't say that. So, uh, so, yeah, it had a great, a great cast. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, we know, we know that movie is. 96% uh, positive audience reaction. Uh, 8.9 on IMDb. It made 107.9 million in America, worldwide. 213 million on an eight on an eight million dollar movie. Yeah, that's insane. Yep. That that's one of the lowest budget movies I think. Yeah, that we've done. Yeah, 
for it to be the most successful yeah, of, it the is. One of the movies. Yeah, playing. because if you think about it, Clay Pigeons cost $8 million also. Yeah. And it made like, you know, 2.7. Yeah. And obviously not the same type of movie at all. Right. But right. Uh, still, yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction knocked yeah. it out of the park. Well, and that's it's just that just blows my mind eight million because again there's the the scenery and the places. So like is Jack Rabbit Slims, is that like an actual joint that just went in there and What's for, filmed or did they I mean Well that's that that's interesting that you mentioned that, so we've got a couple of facts here. So the largest chunk of the budget minus the actors was the construction of the Jack Rabbit Slim set. So it was constructed and built just for the movie. Ah. $150,000. Damn. So we had uh, Quentin Tarantino wrote the character of Winston Wolfe, especially for Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Uh, Uma Thurman did not like the actual song that was played at Jack Rabbit Slim's contest. Chuck Berry's You Never Can Tell. Quentin Tarantino said, Uma, trust me. It's going to work. Yeah. It's and obviously it did. It totally works. Yeah. Um, we have the F word. How many times would you think the F word is used in this? Oh, geez. Um, now, probably when I was younger at the time, this might have been the most F words I'd heard in a movie up until that point. Maybe. maybe. It's laden with it, for sure. So it is two, let's see, uh, it is 265 times. Wow. Yeah. It's said quite a bit. Wow, um, Bruce oh, Willis. I, uh, yeah, I want to say like I just I was gonna say I wonder who says it the most, but I have a feeling it's Sam Jackson. Yeah, because I yeah. can totally see it. This is his only uh, Oscar nomination as well. Sam Jackson is Pulp Fiction. Really, ever? Yep. Damn. Bruce Willis only worked eighteen days on this film. <laughs> this was yeah, one of the, the most well well done, Bruce. Well done, Bruce. <laughs> this was one of the first movies to utilize the internet for advertising. Sure. Um, Marcellus and Mia never speak on screen together. No, they they're sure on don't. screen together, but never speak. Yeah, and even their scenes on screen together are, are kind of brief. Yeah. yeah, no, but you're right; they sure don't. And this is the third biggest R-rated box office earner of 1994, after True Lies at 146 million and Speed at 121 million. Wow. Look at that range of movies right there. Of yeah. course, they're coming in three with those. I mean, yeah. I mean, 1994 had a fantastic lineup of movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Natural Born Killers was 94 too. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. I mean, you've got That's Ace Ventura Pet Detective. You've got The Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Dumb and Dumber. Wow. The Lion King, Schindler's List. Leon the Professional, yeah. The Mask, nice. Speed, What's Eating Gilbert Gray. Yeah, oh, but that's a good one. The Crow, Clerks. Yeah. Wow, yeah, iconic, you know. So just Natural Born Killers, Philadelphia, Stargate. Yeah, if you need any more proof about how like awesome the 90s were. I mean... <laughs> I graduated in 1994. I, I saw that you said that on your uh, show the other day. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. But yeah, 1994, you know, for this movie to have been released at $8 million in 1994, that was the competition. Yeah. And these were standout films. Yeah. You know, these weren't slouches. Nope, they and sure weren't. Pulp Fiction. They're all, I mean, in their own right. Every every movie you just listed there is could be considered an iconic movie. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, any one of those movies there, we could do a show on, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Pretty much any. We probably will. You should copy paste. Yes. Yes. Folks, <laughs> we just gave you the next six months. Yes. Movies. Yeah, just <laughs> 1994 movies. There <laughs> right. we go. <laughs> right. So we, uh, we have the uh, Pulp Fiction. We've both said, uh, you know, this is, this is an iconic movie. And I would assume a lot of our listeners most... Or at least over half would have watched this movie. I mean, surely by now, and if you haven't, I Absolutely. mean, why? Yeah, yeah. Or if you haven't, like, go watch now. Like, well, not now. Don't yeah, after right the show. Now, after the show. Because, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the scenes, or at least seen pictures of the scenes we're going to talk about. Yeah. So it's not like we're and really going to... Just... with the long black hair, kind of half pulled back in a ponytail, long, you know, black suit. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. The iconic, like the the dance sequence, Jack. Rab oh, here's another interesting thing. Before before we we move on, so Steve Buscemi, yes, is a waiter. Yes. at Jack Rabbit Slims. Yeah, Buddy Holly. 
but he was originally supposed to play Jimmy, who was really? played by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. The only reason he didn't was because there were scheduling conflicts. Interesting. So therefore, he took the role as just the way. Doesn't Tarantino make a point of appearing, like in his films? I think so. Like little cameos, yeah. usually. Like, Alfred, I'm not sure Alfred, if that's for, I'm for sure about that, but it seems like I, I read it. He doesn't most, point, but it seems like yeah. If I look back on most of them, I don't know if he doesn't. I was going to say I don't know if he's in Reservoir no. Dogs when I think about it either. He's he's Mr. Brown. Oh, Mr. Brown. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Because he's the one that brings up the conversation about Madonna's song, Like a Virgin. Right. Yeah. That's a great... For a long time in my life, I battled in my mind between which I thought was better, Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. Well, I was reading earlier, interestingly enough, and it was talking about all the ties in Tarantino movies. So apparently, like, Vincent Vega is Vic Vega's brother, who is a character in Reservoir Dogs. Played by Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen, the character. Mr. Blonde. Yep, Mr. See, I forgot which one he played. Yeah. Uh, and they were going to do a movie together. Have you read about this? Called du- the Double Vic or uh, Double V, the Double V, something like that. But obviously, John Travolta and Michael Madsen became too old. And so when, yeah, I wouldn't have, do it. Right. But I think there is a uh, spec script written. So not a whole script, but a part, part of one. So that is kind of cool. So let's get. Let's dive right in. Let's dive right in. Um, plot story. I mean, I mean, it's listen. It's good, and I I kind of forgot because it had been so long when I started watching it, and I knew that it was. I remembered that it was kind of broken to parts. Yeah, but I couldn't remember what the hell the story was exactly. I was like, wait a minute, what? What is the plot here okay. exactly? Because I couldn't remember. But then about halfway through, I remember. I was like, no, this is really. Really, it's all about the briefcase. Yep. The whole movie is about that briefcase. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of theories have circulated over the years about that. One of them ties it back to Reservoir Dogs as well. Because one of the theories being that it's like the the heist, the diamonds or whatever. That was, yep. That's what I've I've read that as well. I've read, you know, gold. I've read uh, someone's soul. I read Marcellus Marcellus Wallace's soul. Yeah, Marcellus Wallace. the argument being the first scene you see of him is from the back and he's got this band-aid on and, his neck. Uh, yeah. And apparently one of the things, I guess it's a biblical thing. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure, but it would suggest that the devil or whatever takes your soul. Cause it, I guess the theory being that Marcellus Wallace has sold his soul to the devil at some point, devil takes his soul back his neck. That's why the band-aid's there. Right. And that's what's actually in the briefcase. He's trying to get it back. Uh, from the devil. I've, I've, I have actually heard a very similar thing, so yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah, interesting. It's an interesting theory when you think about it. I was like, well, I mean, yeah, I, heard, I saw another one suggested that it was a nude photo of Mia Wallace. Huh, I hadn't heard that one. Which was, it, it, personally, I found that kind of a weak one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, nah, like Marcellus Wallace's soul sounds way better. Yeah. yeah oh, much, like, much better. Much, more much better. Than movie. I totally agree with you. So, um, let's see here. You know, basically, it's, it's what Casey said. They're, they're, they're trying to recover this, this briefcase that's been taken by this group. And there's little subplots. You know, you've got Butch, played by Bruce Willis. He's a boxer who doesn't really... He's like a, what would you say, a low-level boxer? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you get the feeling that he he came close to making it yeah. big, didn't really make it big, and his career is kind of winding down. He's getting older, and he's not really wanting to give it up. No, you know, no. he's not really wanting to throw in the towel. Marcellus Wallace, uh, you know, pays him pretty much to throw the fight. Throw the fight, correct. Um, he accidentally kills the man. Kills the dude, and kills the dude following a really weird scene with Christopher Walken that's just like it starts off and you're just like yeah this is a great story and then he's like talking about gold watches at their rear ends so there (laughs) lack of a better word so in that monologue that Christopher Walken has there's a there's a point where he actually pauses and stops for a moment and in reality he had forgotten his next Dialogue, wow. but it seems so real that yeah. Tarantino kept it in. Kept it in, sure. Yeah, just a little, you know, some more information of that we that we read about. But you know, Butch, you know, it, it does. It's not alluded that Butch 
cares about anyone else really other than uh, Fabian, I think is her name. Is yeah. Yeah. And she seems to be, you know, maybe pregnant with his, with his I, baby. That's, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I've guessed. And they're getting ready to get out of town because Marcellus Wallace is on their trail. Yeah. He sent some goons yep. after them. Because he took the money and did not go to fight. No. Nope. Kill the guy. Yep. Bounced. And he knew that he had to be out of town. But Fabian's left this gold watch, the most important item that Butch owns, back at the apartment that yep. they were fleeing from. Right. So he goes there to goes back. go to get it. And some misfortunate things happen to, uh, you know, Butch Marcellus. Yeah, it sure does. It's yeah. kind of, uh, it's one of the darker uh, aspects of the, of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Now, it was funny, when, when I first watched that, that seemed for me, I mean, I was, I was like a, I was probably a 14, maybe 15 year old kid. Um, and I didn't know about that scene. Like I, the gimp, right. I was like, a gimp? What is, I didn't know what that, I didn't right. know what's really, who is that? What is he doing? Right. Well, if you probably walked up to anybody on the street and even tried to suggest something like that, I don't even know. If anybody would really, or I don't know what kind of reactions you get. <laughs> There might be a reaction right now. Listeners like, did he just say, yep, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. And so basically, to put it in context of the movie, it's this leather clad guy, more or less, complete leather face, yeah. the whole nine yards. And it's very uh, darkly sexually oriented scene. It's a, you know, yeah. To put it into the best context, I suppose, that we can. Uh, also, and people will die. The guy who played the gimp and the uh, the lady that played uh, see she he played Mr. Wolf's girlfriend um, were married in real life. Really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I can't recall her. Raquel. Raquel. Yep. Yeah, that's her name. Good job on the trivia. It yeah. always blows my mind. Yeah, I have I'm to telling think. you, like one of these one of these nights, <laughs> we are gonna have a, a trivia contest. Like, yeah, take on Adam. People call in. Yeah, we'll yeah, have to, take on Adam. We'll, we'll have to do up. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out how the best way to go about doing it. Because Adam's pretty good with the trivia. Like, see if you can stump Adam. Yeah, and I didn't even have that one written down. Like, some of the... Tr are, so, obviously, some of the facts I have written down. But some of them I don't. Right, no. no I just remember conversations with you. We, if you go back and watch these little podcasts, we don't... We're not on the radio. We don't, we're not in this studio with the equipment necessarily that we have. And so, no. Like, you can go back and watch them and see Adam just, like, pulling stuff. <laughs> I don't even know. The <sighs> cinematic... Uh, ether to like I don't I don't know it's crazy there's just we need to go find a trivia night somewhere and rack up no they did have a trivia night um they had one I think locally uh in Woodbooker I think last week maybe oh, that's something yeah. to suggest over at Black Bear I, I've had that thought before honestly that could be a cool yeah Black Bear's got some stuff coming up the town of Appalachia's got some stuff coming like actually tomorrow um, starting at eight in the morning, there's a Jeep rally. Oh, cool! Which is cool. So they've got a they've got like an off road guided ride and an on road guided guided ride. Starts in front of the Appalachian Mercantile right there. Appalachian Mercantile Black Bear is kind of right there together, uh, and runs for a while. You know, it's got the whole kind of day. So there's you know there's stuff going on. Right, right. And hopefully the weather's nice. And then uh, I think June seventeenth is. Uh, uh, Main Street Music Fest, so there's going to be live music and stuff. That's right in front of Black Bear. So, I mean, Appalachia's got a lot of stuff going on this summer that's going to be cool. So, hopefully, everybody go down there and support. It's going to be a cool summer. And Black I, Bear. I, and I think we're going to go down there at some point and do maybe a live broadcast or yeah, something would, in the future. Definitely could. I mean, we definitely could. That would be that would be awesome. I think so that too. That would be awesome. So, um, characters. We've got uh, man. If we're discussing favorite characters, that's a tough one. I always tend to lean towards Vincent Vega, though. I mean, it's really hard not to like his character. So that would be your favorite favorite character in the movie, Vince, Vince Vega. The, like, if, yeah, I kind of have to say so, because he's just a smooth character. Like, I'm watching the dance scene. Stacey and I are watching the dance scene. We are watching it earlier, and I was just like, man, like, I can't dance like that sometimes. I was like, holy shit. Like, oh, did I? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I thought I yanked out my headphones. Oh, there. no, you're good. Um, but I was like, man, I wonder if I subconsciously, like, did I get my moves from Vincent Vega in Pulp Fiction? I just, 
I don't know because I've seen it so many times, but I just kind of dig it. But uh, no, his character is cool. And like, I didn't realize, and I was, again, it was one of those situations where I'm reading some, you know, some stuff about the movie. And they're talking about how uh, his character is always in the bathroom for too long. Yeah. And bad stuff happens every time. That's true. Every time he's in the bathroom, something messed up's going on. You know what? I had not thought of that. And that is a good point. Yeah, yeah. And there's several scenes with bathrooms because like again when they're in the apartment at the beginning um the last guy comes out of the bathroom you yep. know, with a gun and then there's the scene at mia wall with mia wallace at their house with the with the heroin overdose uh and then in the scene at the diner he's in the bathroom and i'm pretty sure i read that he's like reading the same magazine this it was uh oh what was it it shows it at one point i might have it let me see if i've still got it here i can't recall it was like, uh, modern blase or something like that it was something crazy uh but supposedly that's the well not supposedly because when you watch the movie it's there but that's what he's reading in the bathroom in the diner and then the scene i can't remember what well when he was at mia wallace's house he was talking to himself into leaving but at any rate, his character spends a lot of time in the bathroom. Yeah, he does. And it uh, ultimately leads to his demise. Yeah. If you think about it. Kind of. Because uh, Vincent Vega doesn't survive the movie. He gets killed by Butch Coolidge. Yeah. Butch Coolidge. Now, I would say for the longest time, and it could be just because, you know, the last you know year or so, I mean, I've always liked Bruce Willis, and I've always liked John Travolta as well. Yeah. Um, the movies that they did, and you know, when I grew up watching them. And, yeah, we were discussing Welcome Back, Cotter, earlier, yeah. prior to watching the show. That's like some old Travolta. No, I've, I'm, might, I don't know if you would. I've never seen an episode of it. Really, I was but I've seen not that much younger than I am. Like I've seen the opening credits, but sure. I've never seen. And I've seen scenes yeah, of the it. Sweat Hogs and everything. I've like, heard. I totally watched a lot of. It. I mean, it was a good show, especially yeah. at the time, you know. But you know, is. It was. I can't remember if it, I don't guess it was made. I would have been watching it. I guess late eighties. Yeah. So I remember a lot of stuff like Welcome Back, Cotter. I remember, uh, of course, stuff like Who's the Boss. I do um, remember Who's Who's the Boss coming on. I and uh, what was that the one, one with uh, Robin Thicke and uh, Kirk Cameron? Oh, Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Oh, yeah. of course, Saved by the Bell. Yeah. I get to see every now, episode. Now I will say show. this. Um, I was part of a, uh, a a trio that won Saved by the Bell trivia at Fish. Oh, really? Of course. Yeah. 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 See, I told you guys. And we won little uh, Saved by the Bell bobbleheads, mm. which ended up broken in an argument. These <laughs> are like Slater bobbleheads. Yeah. I, I, well, Zach Morris, I think he got, his head got torn off and thrown, and Lisa Turtle got stepped on and smashed. <laughs> oh, jeez. Wow. <laughs> I think that's what happened to those. But yeah. we did win them. And Jesse went on to do, uh, what was the name of that movie? Showgirls. Showgirls, right. Which, honestly, to this very day, and Slater I, did. I've uh, never watched it. I've never, I've never made it all the way through Showgirls. I don't even. I have very little recollection. I think I've watched it one time, maybe. I tried to watch it. And I remember nothing about it other than she's topless in it at some point. And the only reason I know that is because that's the whole. That's the only reason yep. I think anybody even watched the movie. Interesting fact about uh, Showgirls, though, before before we move on. Showgirls was an initial flop when it was released because right. it was released in C-17. Sure. But really? over time, Showgirls has made over $100 million profit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, but initially, it was a, uh, it was a flop. an earlier statement. Perhaps. Yeah. So it's, it's turned out to be a guilty pleasure, I guess. For well, yeah, but, well, again, but like put that in context with the $8 million budget and the $294 million that Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction made yeah. worldwide and... Just as, I mean, what it was that year? Is that like current as uh, current as the article or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, geez, when you put it, okay, well, never mind, 100 million off of the 264 or whatever it was is not too bad. No. <laughs> really, when you think about no, it. No, not bad at all. Well, well done, uh, Jesse Spano. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what's also interesting, just a quick note, is uh, the director of Showgirls. Let me make sure I'm 100% correct on this, but I'm pretty sure I am. Um, 
I would I would I would wager money on on you being correct on it. So Showgirls, let me see, is um, directed by the same director as RoboCop. Not really. Total Recall and Basic Instinct. Wow. And then Showgirls. Interesting. Paul like Robo RoboCop seems slightly out of place there. Basic Instinct and Showgirls. And Total Recall. And Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, well. So you got two big blockbusters, then you've got yeah. like a I guess what, a, a sexual thriller with basic instinct? Yeah, probably. Which I've actually never seen all the way through. Really? It did it's I would imagine it did pretty well. It made over a hundred mil. It was super racy for the time. And it seemed like for and it was spoofed. When you know when your movie yeah. is popular, when you get spoofed. Yeah, right. You know what I <laughs> right. mean? Yeah. Totally. When you get to the point where you're spoofed, you're like, All right, my movie's popular. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's I, I made it. But Butch would be yeah. my favorite character, um, on Pulp Fiction now. It, yeah. it, it went between um, Vincent and Butch. Yeah. But I would say now, Butch, I mean, and it might be because of Bruce Willis's condition in modern day. Sure. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. But I think Bruce Willis, I think that's one of his, uh, along with 12 Monkeys and uh, yeah. another Bruce Willis movie, even in Die Hard, I think or, uh, this is one of his best acting performances. Yeah. It, was he in? Uh, was it Bruce Willis that was in Tears of the Sun? He was. That's what I was thinking. It was with Monica movie. Bellucci. Yeah, yeah. That was a pretty decent movie too. And it was believed that that was the movie. And I don't know. Obviously, this is just things I've read that he had got a concussion on that movie, which years later has led to what's wrong with him now. Whoa. Now I don't know if it's true. Crazy. But several things that I've read said that. So it's just uh, yeah. So, uh, what about a favorite scene? Oh, jeez. That's a tough one, too, because, again, a lot of them... There's a lot of some pretty crazy, intense scenes. I mean, I like the Jackrabbit Slim scene. Obviously, I mean, we've mentioned a couple of times in the restaurant business, so I had a firm appreciation for it. Right. I was just like, this is a very cool idea. Like, I, I want to do this now. And I, I'm pretty grandiose sometimes in my head. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. And I think that would be a cool car. place to have. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely, because I mean, imagine if you don't remember the movie, or if you haven't seen it, Jackrabbit Slims is this real old-timey joint. Not old-timey, but it's, because it's kind of swanky. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when I say old-timey... Because it has like a, what is it, a $5? $5 milkshake. Yeah, yeah. That, that Vincent Vega makes an issue out of. Yeah, the questions. Yeah. No bourbon, nothing? Yeah, yeah, but it's, so it's all throwback stuff, so there's a Marilyn Monroe person going around, uh, again, like we mentioned, their waiter is Buddy Holly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember who was on the stage singing when they went in, but... Uh, I can't recall. Yeah, yeah, there's somebody, but... So it's all throwback stuff, and they're sitting in this old, like, Cadillac. Yeah. You know, that they just... You get in, it's got the seats of the car, but it's got, like, a table and stuff there, and it's super cool. With the menus that they have, uh, if you get... Um, I don't know if it was the Blu-ray or the DVD, but there's a special version of the Blu-ray or DVD, and the menu comes with it. Oh, that's and cool. It's exactly like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so, that's, so cool. I like that scene pretty good. But again, the movie's full of just well, just I like cool scenes. Oh, one of my favorite scenes, I would have to say, is the and we've not really touched on it too much, is the Mr. Wolf scene. Uh, yeah, Mr. Wolf is pretty much a cleanup man. Yep. Well, pretty much he tells people how to do it because he doesn't do it himself. Correct. You know, and he pretty much, uh, you know, is direct to, to Vincent and, and Jules. You know, you need to do this. And you need to this. do this. Yeah. And he comes in and he takes control very quick. Matter of fact, because yep. this is where we're at. The wife's going to be home at this time. This And this is, yeah. Yes. And I love that because I, I like the scene that because it gets to show what a ludicrous situation. You've got these hitmen that <laughs> right. accidentally, they've pulled off the job that they're supposed to do. Right. They've gotten who they were supposed to get Marvin out of there. Vincent turns around accidentally. Yeah. Fires his gun at Marvin's head. It explodes all over the back windshield just because Jules went over a MF and bump. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what it turns into. Yeah. And now... He's pulling into uh, Jimmy's house. Control. Yeah, Jimmy's wife is going to be home in a you know a short amount of time. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And that's where Mister Wolf Drop pops in. And I think that's a really fun scene. It, yeah. I think it's about an uh, eleven minute scene, and it it hits everything like from 
you know, uh, Mr. Wolf handing out the money to, to Jimmy, you know, uh, for his aunt, yeah. you know, aunt and uncle that gave him the bedding to even the small little thing like, uh, Jimmy mentioned earlier on that how he gets gourmet coffee and he, you know, he doesn't yeah. buy the cheap stuff. Yeah. And then even that little look after Mr. Wolf takes the sip of the coffee, hmm, you yeah. know, that's good. Yeah. yeah it yeah, was, yeah. I thought it was a really fun, fast paced scene. Yeah. And again, it speaks again to just how well acted yeah. the movie is all the way, like, well, even, this, part, really. even at the end of it when he's like, okay, now for you two, we got to strip off those bloody rags, put them in the bag. Spray you all down, yeah. And then they've got these volleyball-looking, you know, t-shirt and yeah. silly-looking shorts on, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, they look like dorks, a couple of dorks, a couple of dorks, and then they head to the diner. So something I noticed, and I've seen probably seen this movie, I would say 30, 30, 30 times, times at least. So Quentin Tarantino is Jimmy. Now go go uh, try to remember this next time you you have time. All right. So he's already been sprayed off by Mr. Wolf. Right. So Quentin Tarantino puts his pinky f or uh, index finger out and shames him as he's walking away. Uh, I never had seen it before, and I rewound it twice because wow. he just does twice. He goes, he just does his index finger over a pointer finger, walks away, and it was silly. Yeah, right. And I was like, how did I never notice that? Right. No, that equally seems like it was like when we both recognized when Bruce Willis turned his head and uh, Death Becomes Her that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just these little subtle things. Yeah, that was crazy. And um, I think I think that Bruce Bruce Willis does a good job. Uh, well, everyone does, but Every, you know, yeah, it's hard to. He, but it's so random, like you know, Butch ex Marcellus Wallace is accidentally walking across the street, and here is Butch act pulling yeah. up in this little old Honda. Yeah. Uh, the way that scene starts yeah, is a great scene. Yeah, it's tied together really, really well. Because yeah. it's one of those movies that it ends where it starts. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yep. kind of, it comes full circle. It does. Um, and there's all kinds of, oh, I, there's something else that I read about it. Um, before, we, before we were getting close to the end of this segment. Uh, but it was talking about one of the things, one of the tie-ins of Tarantino movies and stuff. And it was talking about the Fox Force Five, right? That uh, Mia Wallace's character talking about Jack Rabbit Slims, right? And when when you go back and look at it, I wish I had it pulled up right now. But she's listening through the different characters, like this one's the blonde's the leader, yeah. And when you go back and really look, it's uh, it heavily suggests the female characters from the Kill Bill series. That's what I thought. Because yeah, one I mean, one has like she says like knives. I mean, Uma Thurman's character is swords and stuff and you know what i mean Kill yeah. Bill, that's the whole thing and so it's very interesting and it's interesting the way tarantino is, seems to be able to really make his world and all these characters with all these together yeah. and it makes you wonder like did he like write the base of all these movies like have already existed so the care you know that basic thread was already there and he just kind of built up on it like yeah. i don't know but it's crazy like he's created that. this huge 25 30 year universe yeah because i mean expansion was before kill bill right yeah I mean, so yeah that's i mean that's where that idea probably mm -hmm. spawned from obviously but it, you would think you had the idea already i don't know it's a great movie i think so I too mean, it was fun to rewatch it again it's it's good it, it's it's entertaining so uh, what do you think about the music and the score does, uh, it, does mean, it yeah i mean what can we say you can't go wrong with it i mean I mean, the, the, I couldn't remember what all the, the the song. I always remember the theme song, right? You know what I mean. Which that, we opened up the show with that, tonight. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And then the one that always stood out in my head that I always remembered was in it was uh, "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon." Yeah, "Urge Overkill." Yeah, in Mia's house, and stuff. which is yeah. the only song I really know from "Urge Overkill." Yeah, that's the only one I know. I don't too. know any other songs. And like, I know I've listened to some other "Urge Overkill" stuff, but it, probably just based off of you know that song. But I couldn't. Me too. Uh, tell you anything Me too. about them. Um, yeah, this soundtrack is iconic, um, and it's got a lot of like surfer kind of music from the fifties and sixties. Oh, yeah, yeah, I went yeah. back. Like this is the the Rebels, the Rebels Comanche, um, and this is a song. You know, it looks like it's from probably the sixties. You know, maybe like a yeah. beach, a, a Beach Boys type ish. No, get some some like uh, Napoleoncello. Yeah, is that what her name was? Napoleoncello. I think that's yep, what it was. I think in, like, so. Old beach movies. Disney Peach movies. Yep. Weird on the Disney reference to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah, with Pulp Fish. Fish. I don't know how that just happened. 
That was a hell of a lead. It was. So, originality, we've discussed that through with the movie. This is a very original movie. Sure. Uh, he won most original screenplay. Yeah, it was, it's arguably one of the best crime movies probably ever. If you, I guess you could call it a crime yeah. movie, I suppose. A crime caper. Caper. So, so it, other than any other, pulp, you know, any other Quentin Tarantino films, what would you compare Pulp Fiction to? There's not really anything that would be like because Tarantino movies are very Tarantino-esque. I mean, you you can see it. You can see it in movies like we've discussed it before, where he was just doing the cinematography, basically. Mm -hmm. But you can see it there, and you can even see like in uh, you know natural or true true romance the Mm -hmm. characters because he wrote the screenplay. Yeah, those seem like his characters. Yeah, and although I do love true true romance, I think it's a great movie. I'm wondering what he would have done differently with it if it was straight up his movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm sure the film work would be super yeah. interesting because he, he plays really quick. Like you said, he pays really close attention to like everything that you're seeing on that screen probably has some yeah. kind of and, and it's not by chance. It's it's supposed to be on that screen. You know what I mean? At every second. Yeah. What you, even, even in Pulp Fiction before they go into Jack Rabbit Slims, when she's like, don't be a square. Yeah, this guy. And that's the only time that happens in that movie. And I wonder if some little graphic like that. And I wonder if he does that on purpose because in Kill Bill, Beatrix Kiddo, the name, is never mentioned. It's always bleeped out in the first, in, uh, I think, uh, all of Kill Bill Volume 1. Right. But it's not, but it's bleeped out. But it, but why? Why? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because even the flashback when all the little kids are around her, but she's a grown adult sitting in the kid. Yeah. And then she says, Beatrix Kiddo. That's the first time her name is mentioned. I think yeah. it's in volume two. I think you're right. But I, he only does seems to do that in those two movies. Yeah. Like, like I don't remember anything in any of the others that would be like, he has the little trace of a square yeah. as she does it. Like a dotted, like a dashed line. Yeah. But why? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I've never understood why, unless he just wanted people to ask why. Well, yeah. Well, the only thing that I could come up with, because I'm trying to keep in mind, they're probably on drugs. It's true too. Yeah, they're probably high, but you don't see any drug use prior no. to. I think, I think the first drug use scene really use that you see is there in Jack Rabbit Slam. Yeah, in the bathroom, the table, and then the bathroom, and then back at her house. I mean, you see a drug transaction right. with Vincent Vega and uh, Zed. Yeah, but you know something else I noticed there with Mia Mia Wallace's character, Mia Thurman's character. I know did she wear shoes at all in the movie? No, I didn't think so. No, I don't think she's ever got shoes on in the whole movie. No, nope, she doesn't. No, that she yeah, like pretty that. much every scene because when you first really meet her character and they're heading out, she's like comes out of the bathroom. You haven't seen anything of her except for close up of her face, yep. like her mouth, Lips. and then her feet. Yep. And she's like, "Let's go." And then from that point on, she you never see her with shoes. That's true. And I think that Weird. probably goes back to Quentin Tarantino's fetish for feet. Oh, well, that sure. If he's yeah. got one, then that's definitely yeah. what it is. But that, that was probably before everyone learned. Sure. Because you know? if you look sure. back at his movie, he's got a lot of places where there's feet. Yeah. Even yeah, in yeah, Death yeah, Proof. Yeah. Have you watched Death Proof? No. That's probably my least favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. However, it does have a close-up of someone's of a woman's feet. Um, Kill Bill Volume one does as well. Sure. Uh, you know, this one has close-ups of her feet. So there's a couple of different ones that do. Some people like feet. Uh, yeah. Not me. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> exactly. Um, do a poll. I <laughs> do you Maybe. like feet? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what would your final uh, final words be on Pulp Fiction? Would you recommend this uh, oh, yeah. piece of art? Sure, of course. And, and that's what it is. I mean, it's a piece of art, I would say. I think so, too. For sure, arguably. And again, it, it it's had the success it has uh, for obvious or, reasons. Yeah. And, he, and again, it's another one of those great movies. That's what's so great about these movies. This show, honestly, on the vault, 92.5, is... Uh, is there older movies that you kind of forgot about? Mm-hmm. Like nobody forgot about Pulp Fiction. No, like everybody knows it. But when was the last time you really watched it or had a discussion about it? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, wow. And, and even this discussion, I kind of like, well, you know, I want to go back and watch it again. They suggested it might have been Marcel Wallace's soul in in the briefcase. I might want to watch that again. Yeah, you know, and see if I can figure out what it is. And I'd read a thing one time, honestly, and I want to say it was. 
can't remember if it was Samuel Jackson or if it was uh, John Travolta's character. Apparently, they asked Quentin Tarantino on set mm -hmm. what's in the briefcase. He wouldn't tell them, would he? To, well, the article that I read suggested that his response was whatever he wanted to be. Okay, I, I think I'd read something similar. Yeah, but that's what's cool about that movie. Again, it's got it's full of so much pop culture stuff. Like you said, a lot of it is tied to Tarantino and his own little things, but it still leaves itself open to so much interpretation by the viewer that you're gonna you're just gonna notice little things that are gonna be like, oh, did you yep. see that? Was that what that was? Was that Marilyn Monroe standing over the grate? You know what I mean? I mean, the little things, like Casey said, that you will pick up time and time again if sure. you look for them. Sure. And the story stands up, the characters stand up. Even trying to piece it together in chronological order in your mind. Like, I originally, I did, uh, was trying to piece it together, and I was going to, well, I pieced it together, but I was actually going to write out, talk about the timeline of things, but I figured that would take too long. Sure. Um, and everybody can, you know, go and look that up as well. Yeah, yeah. But this is a fun it. movie that's original. It's got a great cat. I don't think there's yeah. a weak link. No. Nothing. Nowhere. Even Esmeralda, Nowhere. the cab driver, which I didn't like for the longest time. Yeah. Um, I've grown to warm up to her and, and her character kind of gets you to know a little bit more about Butch as well. Yes, agreed. Um, and then he's it's like... essential character. Yeah, really, yeah. Because you learn then, you know, that Butch really, he's, you know, she's like, what's your American name mean? And he's like, or her names are American. They don't mean S. You know, they don't mean anything. Really. Right. Um, which kind of, you know, makes you think that Butch is just out for him. Fabian, get the hell out. Right. Get the hell out of Dodge. Out. Or L.A. Your L.A. Priv privileges are revoked. <laughs> So, yeah, it's right. it's been a fun show. So, yeah, yeah go yeah, check out uh, Pulp Always. Fiction. And um, I don't know. I really, I, I, I've really wanted to talk about Pulp Fiction for a while. I know. We might have to almost, I don't know. We could probably do a second episode on it. I'd maybe say not so. on this. Maybe we do a side podcast. Just, I don't know. Maybe not. It, it's a good one to talk about. I think so, too. We'll let the viewers decide. Let them if they want to do another episode on it when they go and watch it. Oh. But next week, I think, what was it next week? Sling Blade? Yeah, next week we have uh, Billy Bob Thornton's Sling Blade. Yeah, I've never seen it. Wow, you've never seen it? Okay. I've never seen it. So I, uh, know, I know that mm, kind of like... It started you, as a short film, uh, and Billy Bob wrote and directed it. Uh -huh. So and it was a cheaply made movie, also yeah. by Miramax, who also distributed uh, Pulp Fiction. Of course. So... And I used to we, love. We I don't do this intentionally, I swear. No, I used to love seeing the movies, that. They all end up tied together yeah. in some way. Well, I, when I was younger, I whenever I would see the M, it was a big M, and it said Miramax. I in my mind, I was like, "This will be an interesting movie." Sure. Just like now, when I see A twenty four, I'm kind of like, "This is going to be an interesting movie." I used to think that way about Lionsgate movies too. Lionsgate as well. Sometimes I still do, honestly. Yeah, but I don't. Because yeah, you could see the logos and think this this production company makes good or interesting movies. Yeah, agreed. And that's how I felt for the longest time about uh, Miramax, and sure. I think it was due to Pulp Fiction. Sure. So uh, for you all that are listening on ninety two point five WLSD, The Vault, we will be back in just a moment with part two, the other people's show. Yeah. Until then, I'm Adam. I'm Casey. See you in just a moment. Yep.